Son, and the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. Well, good morning. Bit of a gray day, but at least you're not paying for water. To water the grass. Well, welcome. I'm glad that you've joined us this morning. And let me invite you to take out the handout that you have. It's titled, The Body and Blood of Christ. I think that will help you see where we're going as we go through this morning. Well, I'm glad that you've come out this morning to seek God. But if your life is like mine, I expect yours have been incredibly busy days here through this month of August. It's the start of school. Perhaps you have just moved house. There are new plans. There's travel. There are new jobs. There is just stuff. Today we read in the gospel lesson Jesus' offer of real spiritual life. But for me, and maybe perhaps for you as well, it seems like real spiritual life is just out of reach. The noise and clutter of everyday life seems to drown out Jesus' words. Mark 6 tells us that life became that way even for the disciples. They became so busy with whatever it was that they were doing, they didn't even have time to eat. And Jesus saw that they needed a chance to come apart to a quiet place and regenerate. Now, I do understand as Protestants, we are very concerned for the integration of the spiritual in our everyday life. And sometimes we are so concerned that we tend to resist religion and resist the thought of religious places. But from the Old Testament, we find out that the God who made everything, both heaven and earth, realized the importance of sacred spaces. We need them, don't we? God realized that everyday life could be so all-absorbing that we need a place to get away, to contact God. As with the Israelites, so Christians also throughout the centuries have made sacred places and sacred spaces. Do you remember the lesson that Elijah learned? Remember? God's voice came to him not as an earthquake, not as the storm. It came as a low whisper. Sometimes we just need to get away to a sacred place so we can hear God's quiet whisper to us. Now our gospel text from this morning is from John chapter 6. And this text takes place immediately after Jesus had fed 5,000 people or more. Jesus claimed to be the true bread and spiritual nourishment was made in contrast to the masses just saying to him, hey, Jesus, just feed our stomachs. Free bread, that's all we really want here. They cared very little about their soul's welfare because the dailies of everyday life were all that they cared about. 
But you know what? I know that's not true for you because you made the effort to get up this morning and come to this sacred place. You've sought it out. Nevertheless, doesn't it seem to you, or at least it sure does for me, that sometimes the spiritual realities are just out there, out of reach. Jesus spoke to those worldly men and women in John 6. He spoke to them spiritual words, and they didn't make any sense to them. They didn't understand, you see, because they were viewing life from the outside. Only. They were spiritually hollow men and women. But you see, Christian, God intended for you and me to grow from the inside out. Now we can take a lesson from the hollow tree. It looks good, doesn't it? Looks like it's going to be there forever. It seems healthy. It seems to have life. But what happens when the storms and the droughts and the difficulties of life happen to it? The hollow tree goes down to complete ruin. Why? Because it has no inner life. Its strength is from the outside only. And it is destroyed by the events of everyday life. In fact, the hollow tree can even sometimes be a deception, taking others with it to destruction. How about that? <laughs> when Jesus spoke about his life being the true food and drink, he was speaking about your inner life, Christian. Jesus' claim is that he is our inner life. It is his presence that keeps us from being just hollow trees. Spiritually empty men and women who look good on the outside, but they will be proven inadequate when the storms of life hit. Now think for me for a minute what Jesus claimed. He made some astonishing claims. In John 4, he said he could not only satisfy our inward thirst, he would make us able to satisfy the thirst of others around us. In John 6, Jesus claimed that the one who feeds on him will never hunger. And the one who believes in him will never thirst. Why? Because they would find themselves abiding in God and God living in them. In John 10, Jesus said he could offer places of nourishment and pastures of safety. In John 11, Jesus claimed that the inner life he gives is so powerful that not even outer death can defeat it. The life he gives to the inner man will become eternal life for the outer man as well. And then in John 15, Jesus makes a very powerful contrast. He says, you can have him abiding in the inner person and so bear much fruit, or you can be a hollow tree 
all your bark, all your leaves, all your branches, they will add up to nothing. The question I wonder is, well, how in the world is this brought about? Are these just fine words that we say on Sunday, just sort of the wishful thinking that we come here to find? In John 16, Jesus says, the means by which he abides in us. The means by which he becomes our spiritual food and drink is through the gift of of the Holy Spirit, the divine helper. Jesus told his disciples that if he were to stay on earth, they would only be able to know him from the outside. But if he were exalted to God's right hand, then he would send the helper, the Holy Spirit, who would come and live inside them, and thus giving us life from the inside out. But I don't know about you, I just got through moving house for the last two months. <laughs> and amidst all the clutter of everyday life, fun, sometimes I find it really hard to see God. The whole inner person seems drowned out by conflicts or getting the kids ready for school or the latest news from the Trump websites or maybe just the weariness of mind and body. In 1 Corinthians 13, Paul says the very best that we can get sometimes is just a glimpse as if through a mirror darkly. Okay, here's true confession time. I'm about to retire. And I've been trying for more than 48 years to explain how this works to people. How do you make it practical? How do you keep everyday life from just completely swallowing you up? And after all this time, all I've got to say is, yeah, it's still a lot like through a mirror darkly. But here's what I think I've found. Faith is the gift that pleases God. Now, people say to me, they say, Brother, make it practical, will you? What is it I need to do? And I reply, yeah, I hear you. So two weeks ago, we talked about one of the practical ways in which we allow God to build faith in the inner man. There are things we can do on the outside that will strengthen the inner man on the inside. That's why we talked about tithing. When we take money that I can see and give it to the kingdom of God, which most of the times I can't see, my faith grows because I exercise it. The inner person is strengthened by the actions of the outer person. But this morning I'd like to offer a little different take on this. I'd like to look at it in a slightly different way. I'd like us to think about our mindset or attitude toward spiritual things. And I'd like us to take a lesson this morning from a very strong weakling. His name was Samson. 
Now, you can read all about Samson in Judges 13 through 16. But here's a little brief overview of his life. Samson was born through the agency of the Holy Spirit, through the agency of an angelic messenger. He was intended for God even before he was born. He was to devote his outer visible life in complete holiness as a Nazarite to God. He was to touch nothing dead. He was to avoid all strong drink. He was to stay pure from the pagan sexuality of the world around Israel. And he was to use his huge strength in a way that God could deliver his people. God's way. Now, when you read his life, however, he seems a complete misfit to his calling. He was self-centered, disobedient to his parents, narcissistic, vile, and sexually driven. Think about it. Here's a man that's not even supposed to touch a dead body, and he eats honey from the carcass of a lion. What in the world's going on here? Samson was a man who had a totally external, worldly mindset. He gave no heed to the call of God upon his life. He assumed that his strength and his gifts were given to him to use for his own pleasures. He totally lived in the outside, external man. And of course, that's why his life makes such great fodder for Hollywood. Now, eventually, his sexual appetites became his downfall. So here's the question. How in the world could this man be the hero of faith that's discussed in Hebrews chapter 11? And I would offer that the answer to that question contains a wonderful secret of the spiritual mindset. The spiritual mindset feeds the inner person. Let me ask you this question. When you go through the day, do you ever stop just for a moment to ponder, where does my strength come from? Why did God give me the strength and good health to get out of my bed this morning and do whatever it is that I'm doing? You see, Samson spent his whole life basically never asking himself that question. He assumed that his strength was from himself for himself. He took it as a given. His strength was his own to squander any way his desires might lead him. And it was not until the very end of his life that he acquired a new spiritual mindset. The mindset that is commended in Hebrews 11, the mindset of faith. That new mindset is actually illustrated in the only prayer ever recorded from Samson's life. As the blind hero was brought out of that dungeon to be mocked by the Philistines, he put his arms around those pillars. And scripture says he prayed, 
Oh, Lord God, please remember me, and you, please, strengthen me only this once, O God. And scripture goes on to commend his prayer of faith. And Samson grasped the two middle pillars on the house on which the house rested, and he leaned his weight against them, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other, and he bowed with all his strength, and the house fell upon the Lord's and upon the people who were in it. And get this, when God was in it, what happened? So the dead whom he killed at his death are more than all those that he killed in his life. With that prayer, Samson went from being a spiritually hollow man to a man of inner faith. Now friends, would you see more than through a mirror darkly? Do you want to be more than just a spiritually hollow man or woman? Would you have Jesus' words about his body and blood become a daily, inner, living reality? I would offer that it is the mindset of faith that moves us down that road. So here's the practical point. Start every day acknowledging where your strength comes from. Start every day acknowledging, yes, out loud in the mirror, that God has given you your strength, great or small, for his purposes. Start every day dedicating your outward strength for his holy purposes in your life. Jesus' body and blood is also that which builds your faith. The bread and the wine, which are the visible portion of the invisible mystery, were given to feed the inner person. When you come to this table this morning, you are not coming to a visible mystery. The bread you partake was bread before we prayed, and it will be bread after we pray. Yet in taking this bread and wine, you and I participate in inner spiritual realities. In the power of the Holy Spirit and through the channel of faith, Christ himself, his very life force, comes not into your mouth, but into your heart and into your soul. He who is real life comes to you, bringing you real life. And thus you grow from the inside out. When you come with faith, this bread and wine becomes for you the life-giving body and blood of Christ himself. And the faith through which you receive it, however small, God will multiply it and strengthen it. And thus, week by week, your faith grows and you feed more fully 
and more richly week upon week. Faith matures until that faith has grown to become what Scripture calls the victory that overcomes the world. Yes, indeed, these spiritual things are seen only as if through a mere darkness. And they may seem as if they're just beyond reach. But have you ever turned your mind to this lovely picture? That this rail is the veil. To reach across the rail is to place your hands into the Holy of Holies and encounter God. It is to grasp by faith the body and the blood which are the true nourishment of the inner man. So today when you come, I pray that you may be deaf to the noise and the clamor of everyday life. And instead, you may by faith find strength spiritual food, and the good favor of the Father. Amen.